is coming a day when no heartache shall come, no more clouds in the sky, no more tears to dim the eye. All is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. What a day, glorious day that will be. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see and I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. When he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land, what a day, glorious day that will be. There'll be no sorrow there, no more burdens to bear, no more sickness, no pain, no more parting over there. And forever I will be with the God who died for me. What a day, glorious day that will be. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see and I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. When he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land, what a day, glorious day that will be. Amen. I had to take my glasses off to read that, and I still couldn't. <laughs> well, anyway, we are so pleased to have with us the Henrys, and I'm sure when he comes, um, and, and he doesn't have to do this, his wife's probably like mine, doesn't like to be uh, kind of noted, but nonetheless, if uh, he'd like to introduce her, he's welcome to in his family. What a lovely looking family it is, and we're certainly glad they could be with us today. Brother Henry, you come preach. You don't have to introduce him. You, they can see him out in the hallway. That's fine, too. But you don't like to get introduced, do you? She don't mind too bad. Hey, that's all right. Good. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. I'd like you to introduce you to my wife, Leslie. And uh, if you'll stand, please. All right, all right, all right. Very good. And then we have Lily. Lily, will you stand, please, sweetie? So sorry. And she is nine years old. Then we got Piper. Come on. There you go. Five. And then this is Ivy. And you can tell, I don't even need to say anything, you know. So she's, uh, the sisters, this is not very kind, the sisters call her poison ivy sometimes. Um, now, it can be deserved, all right? So, uh, but it's good. It's, we have a good time together, and so we're always uh, with each other and, and enjoy each other. Leslie and I have been married 11 years in June, and uh, they've been great, haven't they? Been good times, and... Uh, <laughs> See, I ask her in front of people, so she has to say yes, I feel good. We never had this conversation privately. That would be dangerous. Anyway, take your Bibles, please, and turn to the book of Ephesians. Let me tell you, uh, you know, what a great choir. I thank you for doing that and serving the Lord and having that on Wednesday night. It was a blessing to us as visitors here. I just thank you for that. And we go from church to 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 church 
all of them wonderful, but uh, it's very rare to get to be in a church where we get to hear a choir on Wednesday night, and I can tell you, I sure do thank you. I know that sacrifice on a lot of your parts. Thank you very much. I think the Lord was glorified. Amen? Amen. Take your Bibles, turn to Ephesians, and I'm right here with you here. The book of Ephesians is fast becoming one of my favorite books in the Bible. It is an incredible book. The book is six chapters long, that's all. Six chapters long, so it's not, you can read it in one sitting. It's an incredible book. The theme of the book is this, you are in Christ. It's written to a church, it's not written to the world, it's written to a church, and what we learn is, is that everybody in the world can be divided up into one or two groups. So you ready? You're either in Christ, that means your sins have been forgiven, or you're in Adam, or we could say in your sins. Everybody in the world is either in Christ or in their sins. I'm, uh, as, as a church here, it, every one of you are either in Christ, including myself, we're either in Christ or we're in our sins. By the way, that, this is kind of obvious, but if we are in Christ, we're no longer in our sins. Our sins have been forgiven. Amen? Now, what's interesting about this book, I could do a whole lot to introduce, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but it is a great, great book. It's an incredible book. The first three chapters, remember? Remember? You're in Christ. Okay? The first three chapters deal with our wealth in Christ. Can I tell you something? If you're in Christ this evening, you know what? You are unbelievably rich. I mean, you are loaded. Your Father owns everything. You have been saved. You've been adopted into the family. That's a big deal. You belong to Him. And by the way, in this family, there's, no, there's a great mystery He talks about that's, that's not a mystery to us at all. It's almost strange to read it because we're on this side. But back then, it was a huge deal, and it really is still today. In Christ, we're all one. Jews, Gentiles, everybody makes up the church that believe in Jesus Christ. That's a great thing. You've been adopted into the family. You know, I was. this is not the best thing to give, but I'm just being honest with you. We were at a, uh, with some folks, and someone came in, and, and we were meeting folks, and someone came in, and she had children, and she came over and said, well, they, they were um, teenagers-ish, Leslie. There you go. Uh, teenagers-ish, somewhere around there. And she said, well, these are my three daughters, and then that one's my adopted one. And I thought, I'm a parent. If you're a parent for any time at all, you realize you're going to say the wrong thing once or twice. Amen? Okay, lie and say amen so I can feel a little bit better. Because now I'm feeling real nervous here, all right? And so, um, but that's what we do. But she said that, and I thought, that doesn't sound right. And my wife came up, and she did the same thing. These are my three children, and then that one is my adopted one. I don't, I'm not crazy about that. Can I tell you something? In Christ, if you're in Christ, you've been adopted in the family, but it's not like you're the red-headed stepchild, excuse the expression. You are one of his, and he's crazy about you. He loves you so much. He is just absolutely infatuated with you. In fact, it's not like God says, well, uh, you know, these are my Jews, and I just love them so much. <laughs> I just, I'm crazy about them. They're my people. Ah, there's Patrick. He ended up getting saved, and I have, to, I have to be good to my word. And so he's in the family too, but he's way over there because we don't like him. But we have to have them in because i got to be a God to my word. That's not the way our God works. Can I tell you something? If you're in Christ tonight, you belong to Him. You're as much a child as anyone else. And no matter who it is, you belong to Him. Let me tell you, if you really let that sink in, that'll get you pretty excited. 
I'm in Christ. I'm wealthy. There's so much more you could get into. By the way, a lot of the Bible, if you ever read it, uh, if you, which you do, but in the New Testament, it talks a lot about uh, do this and don't do this and make sure you put this on and put this off. And there's a lot of commands they're needed in our life. You know what's interesting is these three chapters, first three chapters, dealing with our wealth in Christ, they don't have any of that. You know, the one command that's in there is this. Remember. If you're in Christ, it's settled. There is no do, do, do to become. Do, 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 do to please God. You can't please God by what you do. Amen? He loved you before you were worth anything. And now you've been saved and you belong to him. You're rich. Are we good there? We make sense there. I feel like that's pretty good. I feel like our identity is something we miss a lot of times. We work so much on the doing, doing, doing so that I can be a good Christian. When God says, you're mine, I love you. That's, that ought to make us excited. Okay, let's keep on going. Last three chapters. Okay, I'll tell this story real quick. It's a because of, not in an order to. All right, let me illustrate it. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, this is not a good story. When I was a kid, there was a boy across the street from me who was allowed to do anything he ever wanted to do in life. Have you ever been around somebody like that? Their parents let that kid do everything. Consequently, I was over at his house a lot. And he was about four years older than I was. And I can remember being over there and his mother coming in and saying, Travis, you need to do this, this, this. And he said this, shut up, Mom. And you know what the mom did? The mom walked out and just said, okay. Walked out and I thought, hmm. And so I was home one day and uh, my mother came in and said, Patrick, you need to do this, this, this. And I said this, shut up, mom. It did not go the same way. It didn't happen the same way. And when you say, why do you say that? Because of this. I want to make this very clear. After my mother got a hold of me, my father did. And uh, that's way worse. And then after that, what he explained to me was, he proceeded to explain to me is, we don't talk like that. Have you ever said that to your children or your grandchildren? We don't do that or we don't talk like that. I used to hate it, and now I end up saying it to my kids myself. Let me tell you what my dad was saying. He wasn't saying, Patrick, you're a Henry. You belong to us. If you're going to remain a Henry, if you're going to keep on being in our family, then, then you ought to do this. You'll never talk like that again. I mean, you're, you're just kind of barely a Henry. I'm, just, I'm waiting for you to mess up so I can sniff this. That's not what he's doing at all. You know what he was saying? He was saying this, you're a Henry, and because you're part of our family, you're already part of the family. You're one of us. Now, because you're one of us, we don't talk like that. That boy over there across the street, he's not one of us. But you are. You're one of us. And can I tell you what this book's about? This book is not about if you're in Christ, if you want to stay there, buddy, you've got to get this right because God's in heaven with some scissors right, about ready to cut the, the little cord of your salvation waiting for you to mess up. That's not the way our God's looking at you. You're in Christ. He explains our wealth, and he says, all right, you understand that, right? Now, because you're in Christ, in this family, we, we walk a little. We talk a little bit different. And that's what this book's about. Read the book. It's incredible. We're in Ephesians chapter 5, and we're looking at our walk in Christ. Our wealth in Christ determines everything. Our walk in Christ is because of who we are. That's good stuff. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17. We'll read this and pray. Uh, Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. I'll read it to you again. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but what? 
Understanding, that's a huge word. That's a huge word in this passage. Be not unwise, but understand. Be understanding of what the will of the Lord is. Let's pray for just a moment. I want to talk to you this evening about being in God's will and God's plan for our lives. I think this is a really big deal. Father, be with us now, Lord. We love you. We ask that you please speak to us through your word. Your word is everything. This is the way you speak to us. Help us to listen. And most of all, God, help us to say yes to you in whatever matter, in whatever manner you speak to us through your passage, through your word. We love you and we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me talk about the will of God for a second. Did you know we think of the will of God as Christians in America as something God kind of hides? Right? You can go to the Christian bookstore and buy all kind of books on 23 ways to discern God's magic will for your life. You can figure out uh, by doing this, 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 and determining, and God has it, and there's a lot of fog, and if you're just good enough, he's going to pop it up just enough to let you see it before he puts it back down again because he's hiding it from you because that's what he does. That's not what God tells us out of his word. You know what he says? He says, I don't want you unwise. In verse 17, he says, what? I want you to understand what my will is, be not, uh, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. What I'm going to ask you to do tonight for just a moment is we're going to look at just right out of what God says about His will. Ask yourself tonight, am I in God's will? Now, this is what I do when I hear this kind of message. I've thought this, but this is what I end up doing. I, uh, I sit there and I hear it and I say, boy, Brother Jim should have been here for that. That was for him. He'd have really been better if Brother Jim was here for that. Oh, that was for him. And you know what I do when I do that kind of mess? I miss out on what God's talking to me about. Don't do that. Don't do that. Let God speak to your heart. Number one, right there in verse 18. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit. Let's talk about this for a minute. This is very strange. None of this passage has anything to do with alcohol. There's a lot in the Scriptures that have to do a lot with alcohol, not specifically here, if you look at the whole passage, there's nothing to do with it, and all of a sudden God just drops it in there, it seems, but I believe it's for a contrast, okay? It's a contrast. I knew a boy, uh, I went to high school with him, and his uncle was a big drinker, and they went out one time, and the, the boy was about 12, 13 years old, and the uncle got good and drunk, and when he got drunk, he started acting the fool. Do you know what I mean by that? He was doing things that were inappropriate. And days later, he came to him after he long after so, so, uh, sobered up. And he came to him and he said this, you ready? He said this to the 12-year-old boy, 13, maybe 11-year-old boy. He said, I'm sorry. And then he said this, I was drunk. And you know what? He's exactly right. Because he would have never done those things that he was doing if he wasn't drunk. I can tell you about another couple. Uh, they're no longer uh, another boy I went to high school with. They're no longer together. They're divorced. But uh, they were married for 25 or 26 years, and the husband would get the bottle, and uh, after he had got good and influenced by alcohol and good and drunk, he would talk to his wife like a dog. Have you ever heard of things like that happen before? That's what happens. And after he sobers up, you know what he tells her? Ready? Ready? I'm sorry I did this. I'm sorry I said those things. I was drunk. And you know what? He's right. Because had he not been drunk, he'd have never done those things because... When you're drunk with alcohol, you're not in control. That's why you're not allowed to drink and drive. You're not allowed to get drunk and drive. That's not a Baptist theological position. You can be a Buddhist, and you're not allowed to drink and drive. 
You can be an atheist and you're not allowed to drink and drive because it's a fact. When you're under the influence of alcohol, you're not in control. Can I tell you something? You'll say things you would normally say. You'll do things you would normally do. I'm not getting into this anymore, but what I do want to show you is the contrast. Can I tell you when you're filled with the Spirit of God, you're not in control. God is. And you'll end up doing things you would never normally do and saying things you would never normally say. You say, ah, come on. Now, what does that mean? I'll explain it to you. Leslie, please be honest. We've been married 11 years. When we first got married, would you have ever dreamed or imagined we'd ever leave this country? Would, we're Atlanta folks. Would you ever dream we'd have even moved out of Atlanta? Be honest, I've never asked you that before. Always Georgia. Always Atlanta. Always Atlanta. Because that's what we were. That's what we are. But can I tell you something? We're not in control. God is. And he's sending us to Argentina. And as long as God's in control, you know where we're going, don't you? We're going to Argentina. By the way, it's not just a duty. It's a desire. That's what God does in you. Totally different story, but that's good stuff. We'll have to talk about that another time. Let's keep going. Uh, so here's the question, what I think this verse is really talking about when we really get into it and dig into it. I think God's plan for our lives is every one of us, he wants 100% control of your life. Can I ask you something? Are you in God's will tonight? Does he have 100% control? Does he? Not during church control. Not five minutes in the morning control. I mean control over everything in your life. I think that's God's will. Amen? I think we can see that pretty plainly. Number two, quickly. God wants full control of your life. Number two, verse 19. This is, by the way, not Patrick. Thus saith Patrick. This is thus saith the Lord. This is his word. Verse 19. Be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Can I tell you what I think God's will for our lives is based on this verse? I think he wants us to praise him because we love him. I think he wants us to praise him. I think there's good evidence that that's one of the reasons God created us is to glorify him. I don't think that's outside of the bounds of the Bible. We belong to him. We were created by him. All humanity and all the world was created by him. You know what he wants? He wants glory. And he wants praise. And he tells us there very clearly. Now, let me tell you, I don't think God meant that we praise him when uh, our brother comes up here and says, turn to him 345. And then we praise Jesus. And then when we close it, we say, well, that's over. Now I don't have to sing to Jesus anymore until the next service. I don't think that's the way God designed it. I think his plan was that we love him so much that it just comes out. How many ever had friends in high school? Anybody have any buddies in high school? I went to the same school district from basically kindergarten all the way to my senior year. And so a lot of us all grew up together, and all these boys were playing sports together and hanging out and spending time together and then getting older and hanging out and going to football games and going out to eat and doing all these things. And we spent all kind of time together. And then something happened in high school. One of them got a girlfriend. It was disgusting. And so what happened was, is while we were spending time together and hanging out and everything, all of a sudden, he kind of started coming up missing. And so we'd call him and say, hey, man, you know, we're going we're gonna to go to eat after the football game. Do you, do you want to come? And he would say, no, I'm going over to Sarah's house, and we're going to watch a movie with her mom. 
and you'd say, mm, you're a, mm, mm, and hang up, and you're not happy about it. And you know what? Pretty soon, it stopped happening just on Friday night, and it was every time you were around the guy. Do you know what he wanted to talk about? This is so gross. I'm sorry. It's Sarah. And about Sarah, you're in chemistry, and you're looking at tests, and you're trying to get a test done, and he has to bring out, well, man, Sarah studied for the test, so we ought to do pretty good. No one cares. <laughs> and he'd spend time with her, and he'd talk about her. Gym class. You're dressing out for gym class, and you know what he's talking about. Well, me and Sarah, this weekend, we're supposed to go do this and that. And you think, ah, you're gross. This is weird. You know, and every time we do something, he was already, hey, you want to come over to my house? Well, can Sarah come? No, she can't. No, she can't come. And I say that, say this, I use this as an illustration, really, because all the guy wanted to talk about was Sarah. Do you know why he wanted to do that? Because he was crazy about her. He was infatuated with her. It was about four months, and then it was over. But during that four months, he was absolutely infatuated, crazy about this girl, and that's all he wanted to talk about. Anything you brought up, it was Sarah. Anything you were doing, it was Sarah. Anything we were planning, it was Sarah. Sarah, 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 because he was crazy about her. Can I tell you something? If we love God that much, do you know what's going to come out of our mouth? You won't need to think of a song to sing to Jesus. It's just going to come out. You don't need to say, boy, I, uh, I know God's will is for me to praise him, so I'm going to, um, I need to think of a song. I've got to get this over with. That's not the way we're going to look at it. If we love him like we should, if we love him like he wants us to, it's just going to come out. I think that's what God wants for our lives. That's his will, that we love him so much that we just praise him. You know how you get to love somebody like that? You know what you do? You spend time with them. Why don't you spend time talking to God and let God speak to you through his word? Boy, once you start figuring out all these big words in the Bible and really studying them out like propitiation, like reconciliation, and you realize all the things that Jesus has done for you and really get into it, you know what you're going to do? You're going to start going, man, this, is, this guy's amazing. Jesus is worth everything. He is God in the flesh. This is incredible. And pretty soon all of a sudden you start doting on him and loving him and loving him and loving him. And then all of a sudden you're going to be somewhere and someone's going to say, did you see the ping pong national championship? And you're going to say, I don't care about that. All I care about is Jesus. And then you're going to talk about this and that and the other. And the one thing that's going to consume your heart is Jesus. Have you ever met anybody like that? Anybody? Anybody? Met any? You know what's sad? I don't know. This is real sad. I don't know a whole lot of people when it comes to my mind that that's all they want to talk about. My grandmother was one of those. When 1979, 78, my grandfather died before I was born. I'm still a young buck. And uh, uh, he died, and she never tried to find another mate, and she was alone, and consequently she really clung to the Lord. And by the time I came around uh, and spent any time with her, she loved Jesus. That's all she wanted to talk about with Jesus. It didn't matter what was going on. She was at a doctor's office one time with a Jewish doctor who was explaining to her some very bad news, and all she wanted to ask him is, did he know Jesus? That's all I cared about. And we'd go over to her house, and we were children, and we'd want to watch cartoons, and you know what she would want to do? She'd want to put on a reenactment of the book of Acts. You know why? Because she loved Jesus. You'd try to order a pizza, and somehow Jesus would get brought up. It's because she loved Jesus so much. Can I tell you, I think God's plan and will for our lives, every one of us, is that we love Jesus so much that it just we, it's natural. We just praise him. Amen. Can I ask you something? This is convicting. I don't know about you. 
Are you in God's will tonight? Are you in God's will? Do you love him so much that you just can't help it? You know, I'm, and I'm going to be honest with you about this, some people are going to find this unattractive. Somebody that loves Jesus that much. It's not like people are going to congratulate you for that. Some people are going to find that unattractive. They killed people for that. But I think that's what God wants. That's his will. Don't be in lies. Understand very quickly what time we have. I'm going to give you one more. We really have two more, but I'm going to give you one more. We're just going straight down through the verses. You know what the Bible says in verse 20? It says, giving thanks always for what? All things. Let's read that together. Giving thanks always for? All things. Let that sink in. All things. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Can I tell you what I think God's will is very clearly here? You know what it is? I think he wants us to be thankful always for all things. Now, any ignorant human in the world can be thankful for the good things. If you walked outside and you were going and you went out to eat after the service or something, or maybe tomorrow morning, and, and you stop and you see a $100 bill on the ground, you're going to be thankful. Okay? If you're not, give me a call. And I'll take it, and I'll be super thankful. I'll be incredibly thankful. and Because uh, that, that's anybody can be thankful for the, the good things. But my Bible does not say for us to be thankful to God for the good things. And this is rough. It says to be thankful always for all things. Now, you're trying to tell me, or actually I'm trying to tell you, that God really wants us to be thankful for everything? Everything. And you know what the answer is? That's what he says. That's what he says. I don't know if this is the way it works here at this church. I'm going to tell you how it works at our church. And we've seen it happen. A young couple gets married, and, and it's great, and they're just a great couple. And, and before long, you know what happens after folks get married? Uh, she ends up with child, and they're excited. And boy, before long, and, and at our church, it's really weird. The more she progresses, people come up and rub her stomach. That is so weird, but that's what they do. They just rub her stomach, and everybody's talking about how they're, it looks like to me, the way that baby is laying there. It's going to be a boy. There's no doubt about it in my mind. It's going to be a boy. And then people come up and said, I look just like you, and I had eight girls. And that's what you're going to have. You're going to have eight girls. And they go through this thing, and they get everybody happy. And then the grandparents are all involved. And the grandparents, this is so funny, but this is the way they all act. They all, well, I'm going to be called Papa. That's going to be my name, and that's what I'm going to be called. The kid's not even here yet, and you've already got a name. And Granny is going to be Granny or Grandmother or Grandma or Mama the sequel, or whatever, and she has all these names, and everybody's excited, and everybody's getting pumped about it, and they go into the house, and they take what was an office, and they clean it all out, and they start buying baby furniture, and they paint the walls. You ever seen this happen before? And they put up all the stuff, and they put the crib in there, and put all the stuff, and get all the baby diapers in there, and on mom's side of the bed, there's about 18 books of baby names, and on the dad's side, there's absolutely nothing, and they go through all these things, and everybody's exciting, and then the church comes together, at least this is what we do, and we throw a baby shower for the family, and it's after church on Sunday night, and we all go in there, and there's tons of cake, and you eat cake, and you talk, and she gets all kinds 
amount of gifts and, the, and everybody's excited and everybody's happy and it's getting close and everybody's just pumped about it. And then all of a sudden when we're getting close or getting kind of close, all of a sudden she has a lot of pain and it's not a good pain. Things are not going well. And all of a sudden out of nowhere, uh, this baby that was supposed to be due in four or five months ends up dying. And a mom and a, and, a, and a dad who've never had a kid before and excited about it now lose their baby. And they're broken. And then they go into the church and have to explain, we lost them. And they got to call mom and dad and the in-laws and say, we, we lost the baby. We lost the baby. And it's horrible. It's just heartbreaking. And every time they go by that room with the crib and all that stuff in there, it hurts. It's not a pleasant thing. And you're telling me this happens. This happened at our church. You're telling me God wants us to be thankful for that? Can I tell you yes? And your answer is how? And this is the answer, the best one I can give you. Ma'am, sir, I don't have a clue. Except we can trust God. And it may be, and, and pastor, please forgive me if I'm wrong in, in, in saying this. Uh, this is what I'm understanding. It may be it takes some of us, especially in these horribly tragic times, time. Where we can be years and years and years down the road and still hurt and still ache, but be able to look back and say, I see God in it. It broke me and it hurt me, but I wasn't the same because I'm closer to Jesus. And that's horrible. But yet you can, with the grace of God, turn around and say, thank you. Thank you, God. I read this in a book, and it, it, it bears repeating. The Bible says, giving thanks always for all things. Uh, the author of that book, and I cannot remember what book it was in, said to understand this, you've got to take the all things in this passage and couple it with the all things of Romans 8.28. How can you be thankful for all things? It's when you realize and you know that all things work together to good for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to His purpose. Can I tell you how you and I can be thankful for all things, always for all things, when we realize God's in control and He's going to work it out for His good? I think that's His will. You know, we've got one more, but we're done tonight. Let me ask you something tonight. Are you in God's will? Does he have 100% control? I don't know about you, but me, I give God control, and then all of a sudden things start happening, and I end up trying to take it back. Has anybody ever done that before? Does God have 100% control of your life? Do you love God so much? you praise Him out of just a heart of love? Are you thankful always to Him, always for all things? If you're not in God's will tonight, you can be. The best I understand, you can, we can confess our sins before our Lord. And it's a decision. You can make that right. And we can be in God's will before we leave this building.
Would you pray with me, please? Pastor, will you close the services out wherever you see fit, sir? Father, please be with us now. And God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would be magnified and glorified in every heart, in every soul, in every person.